Hello, everyone. Just checking my microphone is on. How's everyone? Was Henry VIII infertile? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, there is a paper which has been uh, released a couple of months ago, but we're going to be looking through that. So welcome. I'm streaming live on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. And um, I'll be very happy to see in the comments where you're watching from. Um, I hope you're all well. Winter is persisting here in the form of rain drizzle. and bleh. So looking forward to spring still. Um, but yes, so streaming live on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Very happy to be with you every uh, Wednesday at one o'clock. Today we're going to be talking about Henry VIII and his fertility issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's this new paper and we're going to see if it's actually adding anything to the discussion. Um, hi, I can see people coming in. Hi, Claudia in New York. Um, yeah, pop a comment in and I will I will give you a mention if uh and uh so I was in Tuscany. Oh I love Tuscany. Bar Harbor, Asher over there in Maine in the US. So um also welcome to you if you're in the catch-up crew, because some people watch this later, and also if you're listening on the podcast, because you can do that as well. Laurie's in North Georgia, Susan Hi. Uh, oh Brian. That's a cold with a name now. I also have a cold. Uh, I don't know if, hopefully you can't see my red nose, but um, I do resemble Rudolph and it's the wrong season. So I'm a bit uh, annoyed about that. Caroline in Argentina, Rida uh, in, in Indonesia, Sean Ellie is over there in uh, Texas, Sonia's in Texas, Kelly's in Oklahoma. Yay, we have a, a massive US contingent today as well then, don't we? How are you all doing? So you can probably hear me wheezing a little bit as well. So apologies for that. Exactly, Doug, it's persisting down. It's persistingly, yeah, persisting. <laughs> um, so uh, the main topic today is going to be about Henry VIII. So um, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, I will be bringing up the article Um so that you can see what I'm talking about. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, don't worry. You don't have to be able to see it. Um, but if you do want to pop over to my YouTube, that's where I, I prefer people to be watching because I can do more on that. Then um, it's basically just youtube.com forward slash British history. That is me over on there. So you can do that. Um, before we get started, just as a little reminder, you can support me with badges on Instagram, super chats on YouTube, stars on Facebook. You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa, one L and two Ps. Or what I'd love you to do is join my Patreon. And many of you I can see on here uh, already are members of my Patreon. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Beth. How are you doing? I can see Lee's joined as well. Um, hi, anyone. Sorry, anyone I've missed. Um, so, yeah, if you join me on Patreon, because I can give back then. It's £5 a month. You get a blog. The most recent blog has just gone live this weekend about the last, well, the final days of Elizabeth I. Um, we also, of course, have Book Club. Now, we're on to our second book of Book Club, and it's this one, Estelle Peronk's Blood, Fire and Gold, the dual biography of uh, Elizabeth I and Catherine de' Medici. Uh, it has a heavy dose of Mary, Queen of Scots in there as well. So this is our second book. The the meeting for tell me if I lose my microphone. I've, I've attached it somewhere. Um, the meeting for this book club uh, meeting is the sorry for this book to discuss this book that I'm holding uh, is Sunday the twenty first of May. So plenty of time if you're not already a, a patron to get in and read the book and come to the book club meeting. So that would be cool. Um, <laughs> Nancy have you watched a live before this is how everyone does it I'm afraid right so because uh, Nancy is being impatient and it is my next thing to talk about let's talk about the article about Henry VIII and was he infertile now it's quite a long article but I want to go through it because um, it's an interesting topic it's interesting how it's tackled and I think um, on reading it it needs to be critiqued so let's do this. Let's do this, shall we? I'll bring it up on um, on YouTube as well. Um, Apologise, it doesn't um, uh, zoom in. Don't know why, but if you're watching it on a big enough screen, then um, then maybe you'll be able to see it. So thank you for um, 
first of all to Rebecca who um who uh, she's a member of my Patreon and she posted this in uh, over on my Patreon which is by the way patreon.com forward slash British history um to see if anyone else had read it what we thought of it um it is a journal an article um published in the journal of interdisciplinary history uh in uh 2021 so it, it uh, this is the first i've heard of it so it's not too old so let's have a look at it um now it starts off the title of it so it's by valerie uh shimplin and chana uh jayasena um i hope i've pronounced this right no one pronounces my surname or first name right so i i try but there you go hello lisa i also have my cuppa cheers Mm. Now, it starts off with, okay, so was Henry VIII infertile? And this is the title of the um, the, the article, Miscarriages and Male Infertility in Tudor England. And what this is um, basically uh, trying to do is look at, was is there evidence that Henry VIII was infertile compared to his contemporaries? Um, Maria, thank you very much for just mentioning something that I am going to get onto. Actually, let's do it first because Maria's brought it up. So thank you very much. We did have the Georgian Summit um, or our online history festival on the weekend and um, it went swimmingly, didn't it? And um, we had six talks. Tracy Borman spoke to us about the mistress of George II, uh, Henrietta Howard, who was in, her life was incredible. Just amazing the 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 tenacity of that lady and um she was a survivor she was a survivor um we had um the antonia keeney talk about the real sort of scandals and scoundrels and saints at blenheim palace and almost like a real life um bridgerton there's a leary lynn talking about dressing the georgians so how um court dress what what court court dress was like but how how they actually you know what was involved um that was fascinating including how they went to the toilet um we had gareth russell talking about georgian island that was absolutely fascinating and an area that i think many of us sort of said oh we we realized now we knew very little about that um uh then we had and we had cat marchant dr cat talking about pugilists which was a new word to me it means bare buckle bare knuckle excuse me boxes um and we had Anne stott talk about princess charlotte um she has a book called the lost queen and uh, all about princess charlotte the daughter of um the prince regent who became george the fourth um she died in childbirth and we've I've spoken about her on here before um someone who should be much better known and and thankfully is becoming better known about uh, in history. So they were the talks. We also had a live Q&A panel um, with, uh, I think there was nine. Uh, how many, uh, I can't how many authors were on there at the time. that We had, we, well, we had, because we had some extra surprises. Gareth Russell and Tracy Borman joined us at the last minute. We had Dr. Cat on the panel, Antonio on the panel, um, and then we had um, Joe Major, uh, James Hobson and Zoe Wedden, all uh, uh, Georgian authors, uh, and Anne Stott had to join in the comments because for some reason the tech wasn't working and wouldn't let her on stage. Um, but that was a fantastic live um, uh, panel. And then we had a closing quiz, which was also live. Now, if you missed it, the next one is on sale already. Now, we've got early bird tickets for the next one. The next online history festival, it's November, so it's quite a long way off, but it's about the Tudors. It's going to be similar format, so a number of talks over the weekend and then a live Q&A panel. This time, though, the Q&A panel is going to be just with the people who've done the talks um and and have a closing quiz and we we give away um uh prizes as well in fact i i um in case anyone i think they all know now but um tracy's uh book there was a signed copy of tracy borman's book was won by diane uh Anne stott's book princess charlotte a signed copy of that was won by cynthia um Anne uh won her ticket refunded these are these are 
this is always this always happens <laughs> this is always a prize at the festival and Karen won a 15 pound Amazon voucher so if you want to come to the next festival it is on the Tudors it's the end of November there are some early bird tickets left um, there are 13 early bird tickets left uh, if you're a member of Patreon you always get 10% off event tickets so follow the link from the post in Patreon um, uh, other than that it is I'll put it up on YouTube actually and Facebook because I have the address you go to the tudors2023.eventbrite.co.uk and there is a link in my Instagram bio for that as well and if you wait a little bit to a little bit longer, a little bit later, I might tell you some of the speakers that we already have because I haven't actually announced those yet. And I will announce them properly and fully next week when I have the full lineup. OK, now let's get on to what I've promised you I'll cover today. So we're back to it was Henry VIII infertile. Excuse me. <coughs> Miscarriages and male infertility in Tudor England. This is an article uh, published in the Journal of Interdisciplinary History. So it starts off talking about um, uh, societies throughout the world have traditionally viewed the production of healthy children as the responsibility of women. I think that's an odd uh, sentence to begin with, actually. Um, such was evidence evidently. Okay, so I'm going to start to have issues with this straight away. Such was evidently the view of Henry VIII, who clearly blamed his wives for his lack of a healthy male heir. Uh, Henry is well known for marrying six, for, sorry, having married six times in his desperate quest for a son, disposing of wives who did not fulfill their royal and marital duty. Now, that is as an introduction, and we'll get into, into the depth of this uh, article as well, but that as an introduction strikes me as incredibly lazy, regurgitated, received history um, for many reasons. One, it takes a view of Henry and uses it as evidence of... Um... <laughs> Hiya, Beth, on YouTube. Switch to YouTube. Oh, yes, that reminds me. I should have put this up. Sorry. So, yes, and if, if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, I've just put it up. You can actually see that this is this is uh, what's in the article. Um, uh, it's much more complicated than that. Hi, Denny. How are you doing? Um, it's a much more complicated issue than that. Henry, this idea that Henry had six wives and he went from one to the other to the other to the other is how people get the impression that um, that that they were in quick succession and it's always a surprise therefore when people first learn that the marriage to Catherine of Aragon lasted over 20 years we're going to get into this in 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 more depth as well because the timeline is very interesting and it becomes relevant um I I don't think that is evidently the view of King Henry VIII as they've put here or he clearly blamed his wives for his lack of male heirs and we'll get into why um that is uh, shortly, but just as the, as a first um, point, starter for ten, if you like, um, he was. Inc we can't underestimate how um, religious and pious Henry VIII was. I think we like to dismiss him uh, or dismiss that because um, we don't have a similar, not some of us do, belief system. He if he thought that God was displeased with him, he thought God was displeased with him. I don't think we, we should um, dismiss how, um, how important Henry's faith was to him and therefore how important it was uh, or, or how, how, um, how clear in his mind it would have been that as a king, if he wasn't having children, what had he done to offend God? If he'd have gone into battle and lost, then that is accepted as God's will. His father, Henry VII, you know, clearly had God's favour because he won on the battlefield against Richard III. So um, let me just, sorry, I just need to block somebody. Um, so, you know, so so let's not underestimate how much that comes in so I think I think that first bit 
you know, Henry Henry clearly had this view and he clearly blamed his wives for not having a healthy uh, male heir. It's just too dismissive um, for my liking. But anyway, let's keep let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, it talks about um, Henry had uh, fathered three legitimate children. Um, but what is less known is the significant number of unsuccessful pregnancies. I don't think it's fair to say unknown. Um, oh, Lisa's on YouTube. Apparently it's not showing very um very clearly on Facebook. Oh, but on YouTube. Interesting. Oh well, good. At least it's working on one. Um so we'll we'll yeah, we'll get into that in more detail as well. Um now if we go back to the fact that Henry has the six wives. He doesn't have them in very quick succession for a start to begin with. Anyway, he's married to Catherine for over 20 years. Um, and uh, there are, yeah, so, so there's just this, this idea that he just goes from one to the other because he, because they don't give him a son isn't, it's, it, it's just not correct. That's not, that's not how, how it happens. And I think that is a, um, that's just, that's just a product of, of, looking back on something and having the 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 retrospective view and it looking like this happened this happened this happened as if it was always a plan as if it, there was always a route that way um because it goes on to talk about um uh, obviously Catherine and Anne had a number of pregnancies between them uh it uh it says here 10 now Catherine's pregnancies seem to have been well documented Anne's perhaps less so so we're not actually completely sure how many times Anne was pregnant um uh and it and then it talks about um it's he's only had two surviving daughters obviously Mary and Elizabeth which who reached maturity and Edward died at the age of 15 now yes he died at the age of 15 um but he was incredibly ill um the the insinuation appears to be that uh that henry that henry somehow had um well get on to, onto this again in in so we'll get into all of this in a bit more detail but that henry um somehow has has something wrong with him that means that his offspring don't survive or don't reproduce themselves um now edward if we look at edward because he clearly doesn't he doesn't live into what we would consider adulthood they considered him old enough to rule on his own so he's he was 15 at the time that he died but he'd caught a, a, a malaria like fever um in in uh 1541 he was bedridden with some sort of severe but unidentified and identified disease in 1550 um he caught simultaneously measles and smallpox in uh October 15, uh, sorry, spring 1552. Um, by October 1552, he was described uh, by a visiting Italian physician as being short-sighted and slightly deaf, perhaps um, as a result of, of smallpox, perhaps. Um, and then December 1552, Edward gets ill again. That's the illness from which he never recovers and he, and he dies the following July in 1553. So I'm not sure what the link is supposed to be that this article is insinuating um, is somehow linked to him dying early because that was that's a lot of illness to deal with. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Interestingly, in the footnotes, um, it says the authors thank an anonymous referee for historical suggestions and references which might start to explain a little bit why it's a little bit clunky. Um, now, it says here, the understanding um, at this time, if I go on to the next slide, the understanding at this time um, that men as, as well as women could suffer problems with infertility was tentative and unlikely to have been countenanced by a Tudor monarch. I mean, that's, yeah. That's fair enough. They've got the humoral sciences at this time. Miscarriages are put down to a, a, a woman's body being too slippery, that it can't hold on to a fetus. There must be a, 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 a misbalance and she's too phlegmy or, hot, or I don't know which one they put it down to, but that, that she couldn't hold on to a pregnancy. Interestingly, and, and as a bit of a side note, humoral um understanding of uh 
of um science and the body the body and physiology it was like 2000 years old by that point or something i don't understand how a, 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 a kind of understanding of how the body works that we would just dismiss as a bit daft now held on for so long um beth did henry have illegitimate children he did and i will get on to that actually because um that is something that i think is relevant to well it's clearly <laughs> relevant to how fertile he was um now, um, it does say, though, that, uh, um, well, unfortunately, it says here that space does not allow a complete survey of the late medieval, early modern medical literature that included a mention of male infertility. Um, I would have thought that was highly relevant to this article. Um, suffice to say, though, that it was not, not usually, um, but not always, confined to an inability to perform. So rather than them understanding that the actual quality of the sperm is any different it's that male infertility was more linked to whether or not you could actually perform um i don't know that that is actually universal though um because there are there are writings talking about you know, the, the quality of the seed and they, they talk about it as a seed so you um there's sort of that that assumption there already um <coughs> excuse me um <clears throat> uh, it, uh excuse me right so i'm going to skip a couple of slides and it goes to talking about henry's um well so here it says undeterred by the small number of late medieval medical texts that do not entirely discount the male roles henry's practice of disposing of his wives unmistakably demonstrates whom he considered to blame for infertility Again, such a sweeping statement. Let's let's think about the the marriages. He marries Catherine of Aragon. They have, um, and they helpfully actually do put this in a table. Um, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven known pregnancies, two of which do um, result in a live birth. Um, so of course, uh, five of which don't, um, he's married to her from, um, well, okay. He's married, he's married to her for nine, 20 years, but I've got a bit of a timeline that I'll go through a little bit later, um, about how long they were actually sleeping together for. Um, so he, he doesn't, he doesn't just dismiss Catherine because she hasn't given him a male heir. He he just simply doesn't. He starts to dis to um he actually starts to if you if you like if you want to call it that um uh you know dispose of her at the point where she's going through um early menopause, she stops menstruing menstruating in I think it's fifteen twenty-five. They understood that if a woman's not having periods, she can't have children. Henry's thinking, have I offended God? What, what, what have I done um, that I'm not having male children? And he, he complains, actually, that, you know, even his sort of, um, it, you know, even sort of the man on the street can have, a, can have children. Why can't he as the king? He must have done something wrong. This is not, that, that does not say to me that he is wholly 100% blaming his wives for not having children, for not having a male child. Um, of course, more than one thing can be true at the same time, and we should always remember that. Um, so where did I get to? Um, now, Henry, of course, there's a genetic element potentially, but there's also um, the fact that he, 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 you know, his lifestyle choices. So how much is he eating and the fact that he gets... Um, he gets obese in in later life um but he spends those first um so his his 20s and his his late teens into his um early 30s married to Catherine of Aragon um he he then obviously marries um uh Anne Boleyn but there is a gap he then very quickly marries Jane Seymour he then um the is it the year after 
Jane Seymour dies. Is it that quick? He marries Anne, Anne of Cleves. Uh, that's an old within six months. He marries Catherine Howard. Um, she is executed within a couple of years. And then he, he marries Catherine Parr. At what point is he looking for a son after Edward VI um, is born? The the marriage town of Cleves is more political. The um, the marriage to Catherine Howard, potentially, he's looking for an heir there. I'm pretty sure he wants more than one. He wants his spare. But he's 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 unhe- he's very unhealthy by the time he's marrying Catherine Howard. Um, is he actually performing by this point? Um, someone mentioned in the comments somewhere. Sorry, I can't remember where I saw it. So apologies um, about uh, his, his. You know, it actually comes out in public that Henry might not actually be able to perform in bed. Now that's actually <laughs> that actually comes from George Boleyn reading out something he's been told not to read out in his trial in May 1536 and he reads it out um uh, I have got it here somewhere if I can find it um uh I won't waste too much time if I come across it later I'll 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 I'll, I'll bring it out but basically yes it yes it was said <coughs> it was said by George Boleyn that he'd heard it from his sister Anne that the king was sort of neither potent or something or other in bed. Insinuating that he couldn't actually perform the act. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then and then they talk about the fact that his lifestyle could lead to, um, well, it's not just, just him, but, you know, that sperm is created all the time by men. Women, you're born with your your eggs. Women, you're actually your eggs are produced when you're um, so for you and your you know anyway it goes back generations. Men, it's it, depending on on your health at the time. So as Henry gets more unhealthy, the the um, the possibility is that his 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 sperm is actually damaged and that can lead to miscarriages, which which sounds which sounds fairly logical actually. Um, now, that is something that perhaps, even if that's accepted as a possibility in the general population, you've got to remember Henry is a king. He's a God-anointed king. Um, I mean, he takes it to another level and actually says he's 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 not just God's anointed in you know um, king of England, but he's actually the only intermediary that anyone in his own country needs. Henry's very important. So why, you know, why, um, how, how can he not produce um, children? Um, So what this, um, what this article tries to do is look at Henry's contemporaries. Is there evidence that Henry has a higher or a lower, should I say, a lower success rate than his contemporaries? Um, so what they've done is look at um, Henry's, well, they talk about Henry's medical records. Um, let me just see, where am I? One, sorry, no, I'm back one, 160. They talk about how you can get Henry VIII's medical records and also um, information about his diet because you've, you've got um, records at his palaces of, of what kind of um, food was being um, being served. Um and what they've done is they've taken 31 of his supposed contemporaries, okay, uh, and looked at their marriage and um, birth records of their of their so uh, what what their marriages produced basically. Um. Um. So <clears throat> it, they also go on to say, um, the King of England meant to repudiate his. Oh, this is this is a quote from. Um, uh, that, that apparently comes from something circulating in um, 1514. That's very early. I don't think that's true. The King of England meant to repudiate his present wife since he is unable to have children by her. Now, um, I, I I don't think that that's him stating that he can't have children by her. I think this is the this is linked into uh, into into God and him concerned about offending God. Um. 
so by uh, the 1520s, Catherine is in her mid-30s. She hasn't been pregnant since 1518. And um, there's a book that Alison Weir's uh, written that that um, that states that, that or surmises that Catherine actually had stopped her periods by 1525. Now, at that point, Henry knows that he can't have more children with Catherine. So I, you know, I'm, do you see what I'm getting? I'm struggling with this idea that Henry, that, that, that we, that we're still regurgitating in, in papers, in journals, that Henry takes wife after wife after wife after wife in a bid to have a son. When, as soon as you look at his marriage to Catherine, um, he didn't, he slept with her until basically she wasn't going to be able to have children anymore. Um, anyway, so, um, now back to, um, Beth's question. Did he have illegitimate children? He, well, he had one, um, Angela, you can watch it on the playback later or listen to it on the podcast. Um, so, um, yeah, Marie, what sort of stupid cockamamie reasoning and so falsehoods is this? What, so my concern with things like papers like this is if it starts off with premises that are lazy, how do we, what's the point kind of, anyway, let's get into, cause, cause clearly people are going to read this and, and, and make, um, conclusions from it. So that's fine. <clears throat> so let's have a look at it. Now, um, Henry, Henry, the eighth has one illegitimate child that he acknowledges henry fitzroy born in 1519 to bessie blount bessie blount that's the end of their affair then she's married off she carries on to have more children which puts pay to the idea that once someone's had a child by henry uh, subsequent pregnancies aren't possible she goes on to have more pregnancies um she has six more children according to this um now he excuse me henry acknowledges um henry uh his son he's called henry fitzroy fitzroy is norman french uh, old norman french i think for um son of the king so he's he's outwardly acknowledging him actually he becomes um duke of richmond and uh somerset <clears throat> Uh, when he's six years old, actually that follows Henry VIII having two um, near fatal accidents. Um, so it's possible that he was priming or, you know, starting to plan that Henry Fitzroy may be his only male heir. Was there a way of him becoming, if not king, some sort of very regent, I don't know, something. Obviously, he already had his daughter Mary by Catherine as well. Um, but he he also, you know, took the the fact that he got this this son shows that he's fertile. It, 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 to to him and to the, to his court and to his people, I can have male children. Look, I have one, and he's healthy. Um, so, but that doesn't mean that he's blaming Catherine for not having. I'm. He might have done. I'm just saying that I can't see the evidence. No one's presenting evidence that says he fully blames Catherine. However, he does think that the marriage is goes against God. And he's persuaded of that over a, quite a time. He doesn't just plump, uh, you know, plant on this idea. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think it's very likely that he is fully convinced of it anyway, that that he has offended God by marrying his brother's widow. And clearly this is evidenced in the fact that he hasn't got any male children and he has one surviving daughter. Even if even if you want to take the male female thing out of it, having one surviving child is dodgy territory in in the 16th century. Um, because actually it says here um down oh let me just go on down at the bottom of um page 160 i'll put by the way in uh, youtube i'll put a link to this article uh so that you can all go and read it if you like afterwards and um, but it says um uh henry never questioned his own fertility okay um apparently to save face and protect a, con a conviction about his own virility and he could always fall back on the curse of leviticus dating to his marriage with catherine I think that's really dismissive of his belief. You know, what, what, 
why? Why why can't he have just fully believed that he defended God? This is a very religious time. Um, oh, here we are. Here is the bit about uh, his potency. <clears throat> Excuse me. This comes out in the trial of George Boleyn uh, in uh, May 1536. So during Anne, um, um, Anne Boleyn, because Anne Boleyn is... Uh... Hi, Jackie. How you doing? Uh Anne Boleyn is, of course, tried for, um, uh, well, she's she's tried for, for treason, basically, I suppose. But she's, um, uh, she, she's charged with having five affairs with men of the court, one of whom is her brother. So her brother, George Boleyn, also has a trial. Now, during that, um, uh, sorry, seven, seven? Anyway, Anne's brother suggests that Henry was incapable of sexual intercourse, um, he said out loud it was no good in bed with women and that he he had neither potency nor force and that was supposed to have come from Anne so there are questions by the time he's married to Anne Boleyn whether the king actually is um is performing um now of course then Anne dies dies she's executed he marries jane boleyn within days she gets pregnant and has the boy she has a boy (laughs) she has a live boy she doesn't survive it but there's a load of different reasons why that could be the case that could have nothing to do with henry um and 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 as i said earlier when he does die at only the age of 15 he has had an incredible incredibly unlucky series of infections which um, you know, even with modern medicine, I would suggest might be very difficult to survive. Um, so, so there's the, yeah, there's that as well. Um, now it also makes mention. So going back to, um, fertile families, so it talks about, uh, how he is, um, how he, there's a table actually, how he, uh, compares to 31 of his uh contemporaries now i'm just going to put this up on youtube it, it sorry for those of you on instagram there's a page uh which visualizes henry viii's body it's not for the faint-hearted <laughs> it visualizes what he might have looked like when he got to 28 stone is the estimation um I mean, can I just read you this bit just as an aside, because it's I think it's very funny. In his youth, he was a strapping sport enthusiast with a muscular build, build and a 42-inch chest. Um, by his 30s, however, Henry had become grossly overweight. Estimates gleaned from his clothing and armour indicate that he eventually attained a height of six foot one. I think he might have been six foot one at the end of puberty, not in his 30s. <laughs> Anyway, or he was still, it, clearly it was still his height, but I think he got there a bit earlier than uh, his waist of 54 inches, his chest of 58 inches and his weight of of 180 kilos. I think if he, looked, if he was 180 kilos, his body would be even, I don't think he would have looked like the picture that they've put on there. But anyway, what do I know? I only used to be a PT. So, um, hmm. The 31 contemporaries that he is, um, <laughs> Denny, I can't even see that now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. So sorry for everyone on YouTube and Facebook. It's it's sideways. And on Instagram, you're just going to have to take my word for it. That uh, there is a table of supposedly these, like these, I say, these contemporaries. How Owen Tudor is his contemporary, I'm not completely sure. Also of the 31 three um didn't have any children so and i don't know if we're taking that as a hundred percent unsuccessful rate in this they're taking it as a um they didn't have any miscarriages or stillbirths and therefore they're successful or not unsuccessful so we could say like there's not even 31 in this there's 28 you see me do the maths then now it it is undeniable that when you look through the table and you've got people like you've got his father, Henry the seventh, you've got um, 
uh, Cardinal Wolsey, who wasn't supposed to have children, but he did. Um, uh, who else have you got? You've got Anne Boleyn's father, Thomas Boleyn. You've got Charles Brandon. Um, so people like, yeah, so so some people who were contemporaries, some people who clearly weren't because um, they lived before him. Um, and his, uh, it's just so clunky, this. His rate of pregnancy loss is 64% compared to the next closest, which is, I think, 43. However, we don't exactly know how many pregnancies um, Anne Boleyn had. Um, so it, it, it's, it is a clunky figure, but it does look significantly higher than anybody else. What we don't know, though, is how many um, stillbirths, miscarriages of all these other people were actually, uh, well, their wives, clearly, were actually recorded. Um, so, yeah, incredibly clunky way of doing it. So, um, also... I think this is this is something to consider that they haven't considered there. I mean, there's loads of other factors to consider, of course, in terms of how many pregnancies a couple manages to have, how many stillbirths that that um, uh, that couple have, how many you know, um, how many children survive uh, the birth. There's lots of other factors to consider, but if you just look at how many pregnancies, um, um. How how do we know how many times these couples are having sex? <laughs> to put it very bluntly, um, you know, Henry's at court. He's with people all the time. His um, visits to his wives have to be organised. Um, Maria, really annoyed over the mountain of stupid inaccuracies. This is so-called article contains... Um, uh, sorry that this article contains cause people who don't even have the barest even most basic knowledge over all this yeah people will believe it this is why I wanted to cover it today um, because I started reading it and I thought it's so it just it uses really lazy tropes and um, and then extrapolates from those supposed answers or insinuates answers because I'll tell you their conclusion um, a little bit later on. So um, I've done a little bit of a timeline because I was thinking, well, if these couples married, so a lot of these um, these couples, uh, that so it, it lists the men and it lists how many wives the, the men had and then how many children they had total, um, how many um, pregnancies resulted in a miscarriage or stillbirth and therefore from that calculate the rate of pregnancy loss. Um, most of these men have had one or two wives. Charles Brandon's up there with four, but most of them have had one or two. Um, Thomas Wolsey, obviously none, because his were his children were all illegitimate. <laughs> um, now, so so my assumption from that being that there is a a steady relationship there. Let's just have a look. So Cap, this is this is Henry's timeline. 1518, Catherine has her final pregnancy. 1518. Fif- uh, 1519, Henry Fitzroy is born to Blessy Blount. But that is the end of their affair. 1522, Henry has his affair with Mary Boleyn. Anne Boleyn's, uh, well, we think, Anne Boleyn, uh, that's when it starts, Anne Boleyn's sister. Um, he doesn't recognize any of her children as his. And I've seen very circular arguments for trying to evidence that at least one of Mary Boleyn's children were Henry VIII's. They are incredibly circular. I, there's no concrete evidence. And he never, um, uh, he never recognizes them as his. Could it be that the first one was a girl? Maybe, but if we think he blames, if we're going to take what they say here, that he blames all his wives for his infertility, um, sorry, for for their infertility, and he blames it solely on his wife, which I don't think he did, but um, 
if if we take if we take it as as read here as they've put it here that he does why isn't he recognizing every illegitimate child that he has i would have thought that that would be something he would do um so anyway so henry fitzroy is born in 1519 he has his affair with mary boleyn from around 1522 to 25 then anne boleyn well anne boleyn sorry is also at court from 1522 um obviously he's more interested in her sister for a a small while for a short while um in 1524 we think he stops going to catherine um and if and Alison Weir's um, uh, uh, narrative is correct. Catherine is beginning to go through menopause anyway in, in the mid-1520s. <laughs> Keep me wheezing, I'm so sorry. Henry doesn't sleep with Anne Boleyn until 1532. So the official marriage date for um, Henry and Anne is in January 1533. But um, Anne, excuse me, is already pregnant at that point. So there is some evidence that they were married the previous November 1532 when they arrived back from France, that they were married at Dover. um, And that that is when Anne would have allowed Henry to sleep with him. Which, by the way, if you think about it, means she got pregnant immediately so so they haven't mentioned that so if we're saying he's infertile or he has issues with his sperm she gets pregnant almost immediately or immediately by by the january she is known to be pregnant um that was with elizabeth um 1536 and is executed 1537 uh, so he, he then Henry marries Jane Seymour in, pretty much immediately afterwards, um, and and Edward is born in fifteen thirty seven. So it, this isn't stacking up with the kind of assumptions that are made are made here. But my point of that timeline is Henry's not really sleeping with people very much for a very long time. If these men who are married to one or two wives are, um, how do I put this? How do I put this nicely uh, for a, for a lunchtime? Um, if they're regularly getting it on with their wives, statistically, surely it's just more likely there's going to be more pregnancies. Henry spends a long time not sleeping with people. Um, Lisa says, could a DNA test be done between Henry's body and the bodies of Mary's children? I suppose I don't know I don't know how much material is left from that 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 is useful for that kind of thing if it is and their bodies are accessible I don't know I have a bit of a I I have a thing about I'm not I'm not keen on the idea of say the princes um in the tower bones which are in Westminster Abbey of them being uh looked at and I know lots of people are although one of my um, issues with that is that it won't tell people what they want to know, which is who killed them. It, 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 I mean, it, they just won't know. Um, it, I suppose it tells you whether they've died or whether they escaped. Um, Christina, during these times, how far along were women before they realised they were with child? That is a really good question. I have a friend um Leslie Smith, who is a curator at Tutbury Castle, and she's an expert in um in 16th century women's health I might ask her that because I I I wouldn't assume or should I put this another way I I actually would assume that they were more in tune with their bodies than we are now I I think they were would have been more in tune with a lot of natural things than we are now so I wonder actually whether they'd know quite quickly so I think Excuse me. The marriage in um, between Anne and uh, the, the, well, the possible wedding ceremony between Anne and Henry in um, November 1532 could have followed um, her allowing him to sleep with him. That's what David Starkey um, surmises in his book uh, about the six wives that that on the journey back from France, Anne allows Henry to to. Um, to sleep with her now of course he he wants a legitimate heir so getting married to her is 
of utmost importance. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, yeah, um, that's that. Um, so I think, oh, so as well, yeah, so Henry's known to say things like, let me find, um, what page is this on for you watching on YouTube? One seven two, yes. Um, so he um, he goes to he's at the Seymour's house, um, Walfall, made very famous now, of course. Um, and he commented on Seymour's ability to father so many children being unfair, given that he, as king, had so little success. He's talking about the fathers. He's not talking about the mothers. He's talking about the father. Henry is talking about the fathers. He's not talking about the women. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, now let me tell you then how they, um, um, how they uh, 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 conclude this. Let's see. Actually, hang on. There's a bit more as well. Um, the, so it says here, despite the evidence, the limitations of this study make it impossible to prove yes, it, conclusively that Henry was infertile. I don't actually know what evidence they are referring to, despite evidence. And I've, I've put next to it, what evidence? This is all conjecture and really lazy one at that, in my opinion. Um, um, so it goes on. Gosh, I've lost my place. Sorry. Excuse me for a moment. Um, because they say, um, um, that Henry as a source, uh, sorry, excuse me. Uh, the u- unusual preponderance of bad pregnancy outcomes or no pregnancy at all involving multiple female partners, however, strongly implicates Henry as the source of the problem. Again, He's clearly not been the problem at some points and been the maybe been the problem at other points. Now, as he gets older, and they do talk quite extensively in this article about the link between health and um, an age and then the quality of, of the man's sperm so that, that, that then you get a successful pregnancy. And clearly Henry becomes unwell, unhealthy. He is significantly overweight. He eats a significant diet um, of, but interesting as well, they, they very lazily refer to a diet high in meat as, um, as a bad diet. And then, and then mention that he has 5,000 calories a day. I think the calorie total might have a lot to do with it, actually, <laughs> regardless of how he gets those calories. And actually, I don't think you could get, to, to eat 5,000 calories worth of meat would take some some doing there's a lot of carbs in there there's a lot of sugar in there um so yeah uh, so strongly implicates henry as the source of the problem regardless of the numerous pregnancies for which he's also partly responsible <laughs> i just love that phrase he was partly responsible for those um i suppose that's technically true uh but yes that basically uh they uh they couldn't conclude anything i'm not surprised are you after all that but I wanted to go through that article because I think it's really important to critique um, things like this that are put across because clearly you have to get right to the end um, if you didn't know what we already know from talking about Henry quite often. You'd have to get to the end to realise that they actually haven't come up with any conclusion. Um, what is interesting though, and and I and I wholeheartedly support this, is they talk about the stigma attached to men who whose wives who, well who who are who have infertility problems <coughs> and how maybe knowing that a renaissance king had the same problem might um somehow give them some support i'm not quite sure why henry the 8th would would help with that but i do, i do fully um you know i get behind the 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 you know there shouldn't be a stigma attached to to men for that so I hope you enjoyed rattling through that I, I I've got all my notes here maybe in if you're a member of my Patreon um if you're interested if you want me to I'll scan in my copy of this article with my notes next to it if you want and um and you can see where I was uh 
what I put in there. Um, but other than, if you just want the clean article, I will put the link to that underneath the YouTube video when I uh, when I finish this today. Excuse me. <coughs> oh, oh, I am struggling today, everybody. I'm so sorry. This is my vitamin C drink. I'm on to now. Um, so thank you, Rebecca, for um, for putting for sending that article my way. If you have anything that you read, see that you want me to comment on send it to me. I'm very happy to um, to have a look. And if it fits with what I can, you know, talk about, then um, then I will. So you can you can send me this sort of stuff if you want to DM me on Instagram. Um, uh, obviously, if you're a member of my Patreon, you can pop it in there. Um, and uh, yeah, or you can, um, yeah, mess- DM me. If you're going to message me, message me on Instagram. If you're a patron, obviously, you can get me on there. Now, tonight I am back at quarter past eight with History After Dark. Um, uh, Maria says, yes, please. Okay, yes, I can I can scan in my notes and uh, I will post them into my Patreon. So anyone who is not a member of my Patreon who wants to be, it's £5 a month um, and you get things like my notes on things like this. Clearly, um, it's patreon.com forward slash British history. Not only that, but you get immediate membership of our book club. Um, there's a new blog just gone in there on Elizabeth first final um, weeks. And uh, I'm about to ask for questions for my next interview, which is um, with Julian Humphreys about the Battle of Tewkesbury that will go live in May. But I'm about to ask for the questions for that. So <clears throat> I'd love to see you on Patreon as well. We've got a really, really lovely uh, little community going there now. So but I am back tonight with the History After Dark Girls, quarter past eight tonight history.after.dark on Instagram, historyafterdark on YouTube. And tonight we have uh, the next in our Deceased Git series, and it's John Knox. We're talking about John Knox tonight. Um, interesting, interesting figure. You may have heard uh, of him. He had he had a, a pamphlet called the first, what was it, the full title? Was it something like the first trumpet on the, on the monstrous uh monstrous something of women basically a, a um he he was a protestant reformer on the thrones of france scotland and england at the point that he um uh published this art this this pamphlet were all catholic were all women were all catholic uh he may heavily have regretted um uh publishing that just as Elizabeth I a Protestant came to the throne um so uh yeah so John Knox was born and raised in Scotland he's, he's yeah he's got an interesting life so we're talking about him on History After Dark tonight that's uh, quarter past eight love to see you there um remember if you're interested in the in coming to the Tudors Online History Festival. It's in November. It is a long time off, but if you want an early bird ticket, there I don't know, before I came live, there were 13 left. Um, and as you've stayed for almost an hour, let me give you a little insight. I can tell you three speakers that are definitely coming. Oh, Monstrous Regiment of Women. Was that what it was, Doug? Thank you. Um so confirmed speakers for the Tudors Online History Festival. Tracy Borman will be back. She'll be talking about the relationship between Anne Boleyn and Elizabeth I. Um, Gareth Russell will also be speaking. Uh, I don't know what he's speaking on yet, but I will let you know as soon as as soon as he lets me know. And Kat Marchant will be talking about Shakespeare, of course, one of the most famous uh, Elizabethans. So they're, they're three already and the other three I will let you know next week when they are fully confirmed but I can promise you that they are people you are going to be definitely wanting to listen to so you can go to the tudors2023.eventbrite.co.uk to get your ticket if you missed the Georgians online history festival or last November's the Stuarts online history festival all the talks of those are available as a added as an add-on to your ticket for that if you want to purchase that and those you can get hold of immediately so you can have a good catch up 
Right, everybody. So hopefully I'll see you tonight at History After Dark. Quarter past eight, like I say, streaming live will be on uh, history.after.dark uh, on uh, Instagram and uh, History After Dark on YouTube. Um, Elmarie says, yes, I was hoping for those three in particular. Well, they are there and you wait till I tell you who the other three are. Uh, I'm champing at the bit <coughs> to tell you. If you can't, um, if I can't see you tonight, if you can't come tonight, then I'll be back here. Uh, actually, I won't be here here. I will be out and about next Wednesday. So keep an eye out for updates on my stories and I will let you know what I am doing and where you can find me. It's exciting. It's good. Right, everybody. Thank you for spending this hour with me. That has been absolutely wonderful. Um, thank you to everyone who's bought me badges on Instagram, um, stars on Facebook, Super Chats on YouTube. Come and join me on Patreon if you want some history stuff all the time. Uh, it's £5 a month, so it's, it really is the best value. And I will see you hopefully there or here later on. All right, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.